You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Cheer Factor. If you don't know that God is for you, that he's not just in you, he's not just with you, he's actually for you. For you. And all these verses like, if God be for us, who can be against us? What is the answer? If God be for us, who can be against us? No one. You say, well, somebody's against me because I feel like something's coming against me all the time. Stop focusing on what's coming against you and focus more on who's for you. We're so worried about what's coming at us, we forget who's in us. Cheer. A shout of encouragement, approval, congratulation. A set of traditional form of shout used by spectators to encourage or show enthusiasm for an athletic team or a contest. And it can also be something that gives joy or gladness, encouragement or comfort. Just bringing some cheer into somebody's life. A state of feeling or spirits, gladness, gaiety or animation, food and drink even can be described as cheer. Or we say cheers. I'm not a drinker, but I've been known to take a glass of iced tea and cheers, you know, because something good happened, celebrating something. Christians should be the biggest cheerleaders there are. We should lead in the cheer category. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is not something manufactured. And this is the difference in what I grew up with and what I've experienced along the way. It's one thing to be excited for a team that you really don't care about. I've gone to football games or whatever, and I've sat in the stands, and I didn't know the team that was playing, and everyone around me was for that team. I didn't care, so I wasn't into their cheering. But when you know the team and you love the team, you cheer for the team. Now listen to me. You're living like you don't know the team. You say, well, what does that mean? It means exactly what I said. If you really are on team Jesus, when the team gets mentioned, you have something to say. And when you have nothing to say, people wonder whether you're on the team. Well, how could they think that? I told them I was a Christian because sooner or later, who you are, what you are, what you believe, what's boiling inside of you is going to come out somewhere. Not manufactured, just really, really because it's in there. How many men or women have I met dating some new person and Man, they're like, boom, arm around the, this is so-and-so right here. This so-and-so, she's with me. You know, like, thumbs up. Not hiding from them in a party like, oh, here she comes. I better not, you know, anybody know she's with me. <laughs> Live like you actually know him and not just know him. Like, he is your team. He is the team. Amen. Go to Psalm 47. Psalm 47, in these passages that I read, it's not like these are exhaustive. I'm reading everything about this. I know it would be exhausting if I did. This is just a sampling throughout scripture, but it's here. Psalm 47, verse one. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples, okay? So he starts out, this is just, this is kind of a global 
universal clapping. Somehow God gave us hands and hands make noise and we have decided that this sound says, you know, either, hey, get over here quick or we're applauding someone. So clap your hands means make a noise, demonstrate something toward God. Clap your hands, all you people, and then look at the next word. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. So if you were in a situation a game, and I've watched some games, been to some games, and we all know what happens. The last second, I saw a game recently where the clock was at zero, but there was a penalty, and the quarterback had one more shot. He threw a 70-yard pass. The guy caught it in the end zone, and the place erupted. That is the shout of triumph. It happened. It worked. We won. And everything in you expresses that jubilation, that exhilaration, that, oh my gosh, it came together. It worked. The beauty of reading scripture and knowing this God that we worship and serve is that you can shout every day because you can read the last book and know it's okay. It's done. You can't lose. You say, yeah, but I lose along the way. I get that. But you're not a loser. You cannot be a Christian and be a loser. You're guaranteed to win. Why would you not celebrate that before it actually happens? It's happened. It's as good as done. You just have to run the plays. You have to live your life. But know that God is cheering and he's already determined you win. We win. Even if we die, even if we suffer, we win. You can't lose this game. And it's not a game. It's a war. It's the real deal. So clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. We don't need any more verses. That's enough reason right there to shout. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us. The excellence of Jacob, whom he loves, Selah. God has gone up with a shout. He has gone up with a shout. The Lord within the sound of a trumpet, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing praises, for God is the king of all the earth, sing praises with understanding, God reigns over the nations, God sits on his holy throne, the princes of the people have gathered together, the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God, he is greatly exalted. Now you say, well, I'm just not there yet, I can't shout, practice at home by yourself. Go to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15, and let's jump down to verse 13. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. Now here's what I learned. It was have a cheerful countenance, and somehow that will result in a merry heart. That never worked for me. Go to church and smile. How are you? I'm really good. I'm so good, I want to kill myself. (laughs) Smile, how are you? Good. Yeah, good. And then we get back in the car and go, holy cow, I'm glad that's over with. Because I can go back to being myself. How about getting a new self? Merry heart does what? When it's all good in here, it's all good in here in your head, and then it shows up on your face. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Get you a merry heart. You say, well, how do I get a merry heart? 
Focus on him, cheer for him, shout unto him. No matter what happens in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do the basic stuff. And I'm telling you, your heart can't be anything but merry. You say, but there's bad stuff happening. You can have a merry heart in the middle of catastrophe. You say, well, I'm not very good at it yet. Keep working on it. Keep thanking him, keep trusting him, keep communicating, keep acknowledging who he is, who you're not, that you need him, worship him, shout to him, cry to him, whatever you got to do, but keep it focused on him. And this word here that was used cheerful in the Hebrew word here means make well, literally sound, beautiful, or figuratively happy, successful, right, be accepted, amend, user right, benefit, be, make better, seem best. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. All those words, that's what comes out. That's what people see. That's what people want. And when the New Testament talks about always being ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you, when there really is hope within you, it's going to show up on your face sooner or later. And then people go, I'm with you. If you work with someone like this, you live around someone like this, if they're continually, consistently, constantly, their countenance is one of cheerfulness, then sooner or later you go, what is going on, not with you, but inside you? And they finally can't take it anymore. And they ask, there should be people asking us for the reason for the hope that's within us, because the hope should be, we should be sweating out, Mary. Ecclesiastes 11, keep going right. If you're in Proverbs, you're really close. Same word here used, verse 9, Ecclesiastes eleven nine. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. In other words, make you well, literally, figuratively happy, successful. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these God will bring you into judgment. But be aware that there's consequence So, you know, sometimes I see old people who are unhappy and they get around young people who have no reason to be unhappy and they want the young people to be unhappy because they're unhappy. Leave them alone. Just because you're old and crotchety and sick doesn't mean the whole world has to be that way with you. Get you some joy. What do you think discipleship is? What do you think Jesus was doing? He had these guys that were like, I mean, so bizarre. He'd tell them, you know, they didn't get it, but he stayed with them. Three years, almost night and day, he's in there encouraging them, challenging them, showing them, cheering them on, because it was all going to be them soon. And whatever they had and experienced, they'd have to pass on to someone else. And if you go read Paul, even, in Acts, there are situations where he's in front of a ruler, a governor, he's on trial, and he'll say things like, I'm cheerful to get to do what I'm doing and tell you the reason why I'm on trial. So something got passed, not religion, not information, but life that was in these men and women and came through these men and women. And literally when they're being persecuted in prison, it's oozing out of them because it's life. It's not just information. Isaiah 42 Isaiah 42, 10. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you coastlands and you inhabitants of them, let the wilderness and its cities lift up their voice, the villages that Kedar inhabits. Let the inhabitants of Selah sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. You ever seen the sound of music? May not be old enough to even know what it is. Great little phrase in that song. The hills are alive with the sound of music. It shouldn't just be the hills. It should be everywhere we go, everywhere we are. 
shout from the top of the mountains. I highly recommend that one. If you ever get a chance to go to Colorado, somewhere where there's real mountains, get you on a ski lift, go find you a quiet spot and start shouting as loud as you can. Tell God how great he is and look around at his greatness, what he's done. And by the way, if you think mountains are cool, get you a telescope. Go on the Hubble site. There's reason to shout. If he never does another thing for any of us, there's still reason to shout. If God somehow abandoned me today, that's not possible. But if he abandoned me today, I have enough momentum just from what he's done, what I can read about, what I got in my own life. I could not abandon him. He's done too much. I've already got more than I ever deserved. I have eternal life. I've had abundant life and the option of that to the finish line. Matthew chapter 9. Gosh, what a great book this is. Sheesh. Matthew chapter 9, we'll just start with verse 1. So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, they brought this paralytic, these people, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Look, if all you got a reason to climb in a closet and shout about is that your sins have been forgiven, that's a big deal. And I start thinking about ways I've screwed up, am screwing up, and will screw up, and to know that my sins are forgiven me, that's reason to be cheerful. That should be exciting. The difference in going into a courtroom when there's a warrant for your arrest and someone, there is a substitute that will be in the courtroom for you or it's all going to land on you and somehow you get in the courtroom and it all lands on somebody else and not you, you'd leave the courtroom pretty pumped, cheerful, to say the least. Dude, I thought you were going to prison the rest of your life. You won't believe what happened. I went in there, the judge said, well, here's the charges. And the prosecutor says, yeah, that's it. And how do you plead? I go, well, you know, I'm guilty. And the judge goes, okay, I appreciate your honesty. Whack, slams the gavel down. And what happens? Jesus goes, whoa, 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 daddy. I paid for all that. I'll take it on me. He's free. And you walk out of the courtroom and all that stuff landed on somebody else, gets nailed to a cross. And you walk out of the courtroom and it's like, well, what happened to you? We don't look like we got set free. So look at this. He said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Dismissed. Your sins have been dismissed. Wow. What if we actually communicated to these people we're trying to reach? Say, look, I don't know if anybody, you know, you've maybe heard the Christmas story, the Easter story, all these stories. But let me kind of break it down for you a little bit. You know me. We ran together. You know what I've done. Dude, I went to court. God is the judge. And it all got dismissed. Of course I'm excited. My sins have been forgiven. Dude, I got a way for your stuff to get dismissed. And get you eternal life. And get you abundant life. And, and, and. It, you can't imagine. This deal is so much better than what we did. They go, wow, you seem like that's real. Absolutely it's real. I want, get me some. You know, I want some of that. It's funny how so many people can share their drugs and alcohol, but they can't share Jesus. We get them hooked on some new thing. Get you a new song. What else? That was Matthew. And that, by the way, when he says be of good cheer, it means to have courage. Be of good cheer or comfort. So now cheer ties in this thing of courage. When you have cheer, you're not afraid. Matthew chapter 14 Matthew 14, 
verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it's a ghost because people don't walk on water. That's not in there, but that's kind of the implication. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I do not be afraid. Like be excited. It's not a ghost. It's me. You don't have to be afraid. Who do you think you've got in the boat with you? Who do you think has come to you, gets in the boat? Who do you think this is? It's not just somebody that's with you. It's God himself who is in you. What could possibly come against you that's bigger than he who's within you? John 16, 33. The last one, this one, the same thing to have courage. He says, 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but... Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You're going to have tribulation, but you don't have to be afraid. Be of good cheer, have courage, cheerful courage. It's okay, I have overcome the world that you're going to have tribulation in. So just stay with me. You say, but what if bad things happen to me? You've got to get to the place where you trust him even for bad things. What if he allows something to happen to you? And I mean, I got people I know have known for decades and they are wrapped up around something that somebody said or God allowed and their whole system shuts down. It's catastrophic. Let go of whatever it is and get on with your life. My gosh. Well, some preacher said this or some lady said this or my husband did this, or my kid did this. You know what? Forget it. You say, well, it's easy for you to say, no, I've got stuff too, and I'm not going to go down letting that stuff pull me down. Let it go. He let your stuff go. Let their stuff go and move on. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9. Now, you're going to think this is out of nowhere, but I'm going to read a few of these verses. 9 verse 1. Now, concerning the ministering to the saints... In other words, taking care of other believers. It is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that, as I said, you may be ready. Lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. In other words, we've said, hey, you guys are generous, you're going to take care of it. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. So, okay, you guys committed to giving this to help these people over here. So we're still in, right? And oh yeah, yeah, we said that we don't do that anymore. So is it grudgingly or is it a matter of generosity? But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, I'm not saying this is everybody's situation, but there's a good chance if you're broke, look at your sower. Well, I don't know why I don't ever have enough. You know, what's wrong? God doesn't seem to do for me what he does for everybody else. When is the last time you planted something? 
farmers who eat all their seed, go out at the end and pray, oh God, we pray for a great harvest, you know, in harvest time. And harvest time comes, and there's just a bunch of dirt out there like there was the whole year. And it's like God goes, are you kidding me? You have to put something in the ground, dude. What are you doing? Plant something. So the more seed you put out there, the more that comes in. People say, oh, it sounds like you're trying to make us get rich. This isn't about getting rich. The context of this is doing it so you can have something to give to somebody else. About giving. You sow, you reap so God can use you and trust you to give it away. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. And the word here, cheerful, is where we get our word hilarious. Propitious of Mary, hilarious, that is prompt or willing, cheerful. Like, it's hilarious. This is crazy fun. I was with a guy the other day, he's a pretty strong Christian, I say that, I don't know him very well, and we sat down in a certain conversation context, and this guy, turns out, is a massive gambler. And he told me about going to Vegas, wherever he was, and he put something, he won like 30 grand on one deal, and I'm like, you know, you have to be gambling a lot to win. And he was all pumped about this, you know why? It was hilarious for him. He was a cheerful gambler. I know some cheerful givers and it's hysterical to watch how much fun they have because it doesn't own them at all. It's just a pass through and they have more fun giving it away and God blesses them and they give it away. You say, well, I would do that. No, you wouldn't. I won't even share my raisinettes, you know, (laughs) chocolate covered raisinettes. If you're stingy, you're probably not a sower. And if you're not a sower, you're probably not a reaper. And if you're not a reaper, You probably don't know anything about a hilarious life. God doesn't say he doesn't like givers. He loves cheerful givers. Because that's when he's having fun, because we're having fun. Like, you go. How much fun is this? God loves a cheerful giver, a hilarious giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. You say, but if I give it away, then I won't have any. You can't find people where that's their experience. The promise is right there. Try him. Have some fun. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. Last one, Revelation 19. And I like reading little excerpts from the future just so you don't get discouraged and you just know what's coming. And you say, well, how do you know this is really coming? Because <laughs> it's in the Bible. And the whole universe would collapse if these things don't come to pass. Revelation 19.5, Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, now look at this descriptive, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, 
and as the sound of mighty thunderings. So a massive group of people, a crowd, that noise. Then if you've ever been at Niagara Falls, throw in that noise. And then on top of that, throw in thunderings on top of that. That's some noise. And that's what he heard. Saying this sound, this loud sound saying what? Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Who's the lamb? Jesus. Who's the wife? Us. Are you making yourself ready? This day is coming and this will be a sound like no other. And we will cry out, hallelujah, highest praise. Now, you say, well, but that's in heaven. People come to our church and say, well, it's black, white, Hispanic, rich, poor, all these people. Wow, this is interesting. We are practicing for heaven. I recommend, whether you're comfortable doing it here yet or not, find you a place and practice for heaven. And shout to the Lord and tell him of his greatness. You say, well, I'd feel silly. I'm yet to see someone who leaves a sporting event embarrassed. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was so loud. Nice to meet you guys. So sorry. So sorry. You know, I promise I won't come back. I won't come back. That's what everybody expects. Don't leave out the cheer factor. God needs it. We need it. And people around us need it. And it works. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.